those KPIs and everything, that shows the value of what I do as the company, what our company does to our investors, to to the business side of, of fitness, like we're talking about. But if it's not for the relationships, we're not going to be motivated. We're not going to be able to improve as a company. Hi there, welcome to the Business Side of Fitness podcast. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, I leverage my two decades of experience in the fitness and wellness industry to have meaningful conversations with the movers and shakers behind some of the most well-known and innovative brands in our industry. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano, LLC. To find out more about working with me, click the link in the show notes. And now the time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story and it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show, Star Sage. She's at the intersection of health, wellness, and consumer technology in her role as the Director of Business Development for Hyperace, where she's worked for almost eight years. Welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks for having me. I'm really thrilled to dive in with you because I've been really coming up with a list of questions that I want to ask you today, but let's kick things off with just you sharing a bit about your journey and backstory and what's led you to being here with yeah. us right now. Well, funny enough, because you and I met obviously at URSA this past year in Miami, i have been following for quite some time, but I've been a fan of I'd say fitness more on the athletic training side. I want to say ever since I was a kid, went to a very small school and then went to University of Texas for my undergrad and studied sports management and business. Thought I wanted to be a female Jerry Maguire and sports agent and kind of fell in love with what was more this intersection of fitness and, and sport. So, you know, University of Texas, one of the best D1 schools for athletics, gave a lot of those opportunities to students just like myself who were not a student athlete. So continued to work with a lot of the sponsorships, including Nike during my undergrad there. And then from there, worked back in Nike at the LA office. And then now here, fast forward to at Hyperice, have seen just this change from what was traditional fitness, what was in the athletic training room to something like where you and I are at Ursa, fast forward over 10 years later, same Ursa that I was going at and walking the floor is is now of an entire industry, a billion dollar industry. So that to me alone is what I've been enjoying for the past time. And then spare time, part of why is a woman in sports and entertainment. So enjoy my mentorship, but then also learn from a lot of leaders, even like yourself. Very cool. So how did the opportunity with Hyper Race come up originally? Yeah. So funny enough, I was working for a small sports marketing firm here in Orange County. Knew I didn't want to go the traditional sponsorship sales route. You know, I am really keen on relationships and the, what my previous job, it was really kind of just that cold calling sales and it could not, didn't even have a time or opportunity to develop relationships. But my old boss here at the time was actually working with the current CEO here at Pipe Rice, Jim Heather. And they said that they needed someone who kind of could wear multiple hats. I interviewed for the job was our CEO's first hire started out in what was client relations. So it was everything from repairing our products at the time, helping with sell, helping create the training, helping with the marketing. The company at the time was six people. We're now over 150. And I've joked that I'm learning as I go, but then also just following my gut instincts and, and my experience here at the company. But yeah, it was just based on 
a simple introduction and asking where else should I go start somewhere? You know, when you say wearing multiple hats, I'm like, ding, 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 startup life, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I think anybody that's been a part of a startup understands that. And and as the company has grown and your role has grown and it's changed, and that always requires, even when you're within the same organization, it really requires like a shifting of gears. So what have been some of the challenges and the highlights of, you know, those different roles that you've played since you've been with Hyperice? So it's, it's, it always changes. So one thing that is important to keep in mind, it's not a challenge, but just like, I kind of just start from like the positive. So when you're a startup company, you're nimble, obviously. So you can come up with the idea within the week, you can have that marketing campaign out, i.e. your Instagram posts, you're, you're shooting just UGC content and you're posting whatever your campaign is. You don't have a lot of hurdles to jump through to get things approved on a marketing side. Same thing for even product development ideas. We, at this company, we created some products. Maybe they launched, we had them out for a season and then they never grew from there. But I think the hurdles in it is actually Hyperace itself. We're now this company that works with all of these sports leagues across the world. We're a global company. And my job now in business development is that I need to get in front of a lot of bigger names, a lot of bigger companies, literally knocking at their door. And back to like me being a salesperson for Hyperice, trying to get your foot in the door and get those introductions to sell someone, someone our tech when they didn't even know what a percussion massage device was back then. That was the hardest part. I think just like being a startup company that getting the time in front of bigger companies like yourself to develop a partnership or a sales opportunity or an experience with them or in the fitness industry, talking to larger companies like an Orange Theory or SoulCycle back in the day is giving us the time to talk about the product. That I think was the biggest challenge. And then I think it's just, it's also kind of goes back to like a supply chain when you're a smaller company and you want to continue to innovate and develop your products. You don't have the same volume and the same amount of people on staff to like a larger company to get those products out to market faster. So it is, it is a rat race to figure out who can, who can develop the product first and be more innovative. I feel like when you got started, recovery wasn't mainstream like it is today. Now recovery is more commonplace. And so how did you get your foot in the door with those big organizations? And how did you ultimately get them to say yes? Yeah, absolutely. So when Hyperice started, it was really, we always say it was born in the training room. It really started with the Lakers. Gary Beatty at the time, who was Kobe Bryant's athletic trainer, was one of the first experts to look at our products. That story alone is our storytelling piece to tell people, like to establish the credibility of like historically, this product was used by the world's best athletes. And even prior to that, we were doing the science to prove it. I remember seeing these products when I was back at University of Texas in the in the athletic training science room, testing the effectiveness of our products. So you got two checks, proven by science, and then also established with some credibility by professional athletes. What happens is it's very similar to, it's a very similar story to like, let's say Beats headphones, for example. They were used by a lot of musicians and stuff. And then people use it as entertainment. Once they started to get professional athletes on board, you see them walk out before a basketball game. You see them walk out before a tennis match. Then you see those fitness people buying that product for their run. So we're using the same similar model for us. So you establish the credibility there. And I would say it was back in, it was about five years ago, 2017 is, is kind of that when we got our stride. So from like 2015 to 2017, it was still really just for professional athletes. And then it was 
the trainers who were training professional athletes in the off season, who then also had clients that were in a higher economic status, who wanted to train just like their favorite player who were paying, you know, the 300 for a personal training session at the time that got access to our products. Then those clients are then going into a very high end, let's say an Equinox gym who are bringing in one of our products. And then you have this groundswell and this word of mouth marketing of people saying, what's that tech? How is this vibrating foam roller, one of our first products, worth $100, $200? And people couldn't justify the cost of it, but professional athletes, no problem, it's in their budget. So it, it was kind of that ripple effect. And you'd see these personal trainers, the high-end personal trainers talking about it. And then the last five years was educating those personal trainers. Then you get the coaches that are getting behind it. You get the education. So then they become our experts and evangelists. And then you're getting to more consumers that way. So that was kind of like the history of recovery. And now in this day and age, I would say COVID and what's talked about all the time is that consumers, even if you are not a diehard fitness enthusiast or you're a jet, but you're older jet setter, you golf and you're experiencing back pain, people now benefit our product from our products because the company has been successful enough to scale the products and make it more accessible price points, but also still have those same personal trainers, those same evangelists of the product talking about it and showing that it can be used by them. It's really just our job to teach people that every product, you know, it has a home and it fits for everyone's bodies different, but that we made products that really work for every single person's body. I feel like every brand's dream is to kind of crack that nut of getting in with professional athletes, right? Because mm -hmm. of what you're saying, it makes complete sense, right? People idolize athletes. They think of themselves as athletes, maybe an everyday athlete, not necessarily, you know, on a, on a national platform or a global platform, but getting in with those teams, do you find that they are open to different modalities and different ways to get that competitive edge? Or is that really just about relationships and connections, knocking down doors? Like how did you originally get in there? It's, it's twofold. I think it's both of those things. So our founder, Anthony Cap, he's from here from Laguna beach, his wife, she played basketball at UCLA. She had relationships within the basketball world. So did Anthony. And it was also the rest of our team, including myself from, from my Rolodex, from the rest of my teams, their connections, even that we're friends from back in the day. That's always going to matter. The second part is you can have all this data. And I think there's a lot of people out there like, I need to show the, see the proof that this is effective. But just like when we have a someone, we're selling them the product at a trade show, like when we were at Ursa, for example, our products like are effective, physiologically have been proven within... 30 to 90 seconds for any of the products, except for core or meditation device, that's it's different. We're talking about the mind, but for any of our physical recovery tech, those products are proven to be effective. And so really it's just getting someone to experience the product on themselves to understand that feeling. It is like, it is a visceral effect that happens once you try out the product. So having the relationship to meet in person and then second for, to make sure that they try the product I want to say 10 times out of 10, it, it's where it's where we're able to sell the product and then get people to be believers in it. Right. It's like the proof is in the pudding. Just give it a try totally. and then you'll immediately understand what it feels like. Yeah. So start, obviously you've been able to accomplish so much and grow this brand tremendously. What do you know about sales and the art of sales that other people might not know? You know, it's funny. So again, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. One of the podcasts that's my favorite 
of yours is the one that you did by yourself my, on sales on the fitness and wellness professional. I had my team listen to it. I felt like there's a photo of me. I remember back in the day when we were going to the CrossFit games to sell. This is way back when startup world and we filled up my Jeep. I think we filled up 200 vibrating foam rollers in that square box car. So a literal traveling car salesman is what I felt like then taking the products physically to go and sell them and just making pyramids to sell a product. There's a genuine enthusiasm that you have to have as a salesperson. I, and I know that feeling like you've talked about where it's like, ugh, you don't want to be that person. That's just like, you got to sell, you got to sell. I got to get rid of all this product that's in my car that day. The most important thing, and I, people will talk about this all the time, is that I've always treated the janitor like you treat the CEO, which means that I never know who I'm going to meet coming across at a booth or a trade show and always sell them and tell them the story of the product like it's the first time that I'm, I'm pitching this to someone. That has always has led to certain relationships with those people, and they always come full circle. So there's certain people back in from the 2015 CrossFit Games that I remember that ended up being one of the GMs there. At a, at a major company. And I did had no clue. They're just in a t-shirt and shorts or drinking a beer and they're trying out our products on the asphalt for the first time. So I, I'm just based on my own experience and just from all my mentors experience, that is something just treating people a certain way, but also remembering like it, you, you got to have fun with it. Even if it is it, that feeling of like, really like in that day, right? Traveling car salesperson, but our team had fun with it and enjoyed it. And we're doing something good. I think in our industry of any, we have such a luxury that we are selling something that is good for people. I, I think we, we forget that sometimes. And that's something that I remind my team. I remind myself daily. And then that enthusiasm is exuded into when I am selling the products and building those relationships. And, and yeah, so far it's been doing, it's been working out. Okay. <laughs> You put that so well, because we are consumers of our own products and services, right? Most of us that are, you know, yeah. representing a product, we're, we're using that product. We're not just, you know, it's like, I'm not only the hair club president, I'm also a client. <laughs> For sure. Like, you know, I think part of that relationship is meeting them and asking, like, I don't even know what you do for your own fitness and wellness routine. You're like, if you do, you know, and, and asking that if I'm talking to a buyer or a decision maker, knowing what they personally do is like almost the most important thing over anything on that first call or that first meeting when I meet them, because if they're not hooked on it, they're not going to be able to, they're not going to be motivated to introduce our technology to the rest of their company or in, in, in partner with us in a certain way. So I think that's something that is as simple as it may seem, asking a couple questions is one going to know their motivation behind it. I think the style of our industry is really needs to be more focused on collaboration versus just this competitiveness, which is Everyone in our fitness industry, we're obviously competitive. We're looking at data all the time, like as a consumer and things like that. But back to that collaboration where then you're getting a multiplier effect. You're getting what I tell on the partnership team side is one plus one equals three. When you have two different individuals mind working together that you can make a bigger and better project experience, whatever it may be. You put that so well, because really sales is about relationships. It's about connection, the partnership angle. I mean, it's just, you're bringing more value to the client and that's really what makes you competitive at the end of the day, right? Providing the most value. And so when you're able to align with another brand, you're really able to up that value. Yeah. And another point that you made about not judging a book by its cover is so valid. Like somebody that I used to work for, 
sold his company for $90 million. He would literally wear cargo shorts, like (laughs) Birkenstocks. And I'm not even kidding, ripped plaid, like button down shirts that literally like you would never know that this person was a multimillionaire and you never know who you're dealing with. So you do have to really treat every encounter, every, you know, as an opportunity, because you never know where those things are going to lead. And sometimes it's like really easy to get caught up in sizing somebody up, right? Like what's your role? Like somebody that's a general manager today might be escalated to vice president in a few years. You don't know what's going to happen. And so when you treat everybody like somebody, I think that really, you know, yields results. Yeah. It might be, you know, just personally from from my experience, from my scrappy days, just like the back from the bartending being retail at a Nike town in Beverly Hills to not, you know, not knowing the guests, but knowing at the end of the day, we're always selling in our role, no matter what our role is at a company, we're always, we're selling something. And really at this company, we're always selling this mission. And it, it has helped to always think that if you treat everyone the same way and this kind and respect, you're going to get a lot more out of them. And it's, it's a lot easier to create new projects with them along the way. It's like funny when you talk about like the cargo pants, like I, I go back to like undercover bosses that show back in the day that you don't know. And so I'm like always in the back of my mind. I'm like, I don't know who this person in the room is. I could be the most quiet in the room when we're having an executive meeting and they could be the one that's actually making the decision is what something I always kind of joke about in my mind. So true. And how has the business changed with, I mean, the the brand has grown exponentially with the acquisition of Normatech and Core. Now you're in mind, body, as well as yeah. recovery. So what what has that evolution been like for yourself and your roles and just the company in general? Yeah. One, it's, we shifted from our marketing when we were startup was that our marketing was really just educating consumers on what recovery was. As we evolved and we acquired Normatech, we learned that our products, we were siloing ourselves, we were really pigeonholing ourselves by calling us ourselves a recovery and movement enhancement technology. It was very much like this kind of intimidating thing, only professional athletes use it. And our marketing team in the last couple of years has done a really phenomenal job of really creating brand marketing getting people to understand who Hyperice is, which our product simply put is to help you do what you love more. Our marketing team really worked on this tagline and as simple as it is, it really is impactful. So from from my side, from the business side, it opened my eyes to not just focusing on what my passion was, fitness and wellness. Wellness in itself like goes into a lot of different industries, which for us at Hyperice, like we're not just in fitness, we're in hospitality and spa, we're in yes, we're in performance training. We were in esports even because they're looking at wellness now, you know, for us to be in target and best buy and not just in the fitness area is showing that there's a change now for, we're not just fit, reaching a fitness enthusiast anymore. Someone with a weight loss goal or someone that is, is just interested in this. We're now reaching everyone. My father, 75 years old, who's walking down the aisles of target and is doing this because he has certain foot pain is not the person that I was trying to market to and sell to five years ago. So the thing that's hardest for us, I would say, is we have so many incredible products. We're continuing to focus on innovating those, making those more accessible, making them even better year by year. But how do we reach all those people while still catering to their needs versus not just like 
shoveling, like buy the highest price point hypervolt gun, because for someone like they may not need that. We have to like always consider that. So it's a juggling fact of over 12 plus SKUs for that. And that's just in the physical recovery side. So I put Normatec with the rest of our products. And then Core, something that you and I talked about at Ursa, was when we acquired this company in the middle of the pandemic, people were asking, a lot of our experts were asking, you guys have the leading products for improving the physiology of the body. Is there anything for the mind? Hyperice did not want to go into creating content. We're always hardware first. We're always this portable hardware. And when we came across Core through one of our investors, Sarah McDevitt and Brian, the founders of it, we instantly loved the product. There was really nothing we needed to do to iterate it. We just had to figure out how to put it into our ecosystem and include it in part of our pitch and explaining it. So Core itself is that device that makes meditation, but I, we call it a mental fitness trainer now. So I would say makes mindfulness practice, makes anything related to mindfulness practice, breathwork training, meditation, more tangible and easy to use. And that's from senior citizens to, I've had this used on my godson who's two years old. So that is a whole new ball game for us. It still fits in the hyper ecosystem. The simple like underlying thing is that our mind and body are connected. And in the sciencey way, breathwork training is communicating to your central nervous system. You need to use your central nervous system to move your body. So it is fully interconnected. It's for us though. It's like, how do we explain that in layman's term? How do we make it an easy experience to try our products? So, and do that across all these industries. So there's a lot going on. And I think it's just like continuing to think like, who's the final consumer we're talking to, or even the decision makers we're talking to, to see which top three products fit first and then go from there. And then it starts to develop into bigger and bigger things. Right. And, and, you know, one thing that I'm very curious of is, you know, what every company wants to scale, every company wants to grow, but sometimes when companies are in growth mode, they really lose their special sauce because they just start throwing things at the wall and Mm -hmm. they're like, Hey, somebody else in this space is doing something like this. So now let's go there as well. But I don't feel like Hyperice has done that. So I feel like the growth has been very strategic and different. So I'd love to hear a little bit about the thought process that goes into the innovation of creating these new products, like the Norma Tech Go, like how did that come about? So Everything, the reason why I don't think we've lost our special sauce, the people that work here, but it's the feedback from the people we've had the relationships with the longest. So I was talking to one of my mentors here, who was one of the first people to look at our first product, Lenny Parasino. He's a soft tissue therapist based out of here in LA. He works with the LA Clippers a lot. As you're getting someone like him who goes, Love the Normatec. I use the pneumatic compression boots. They're high price point on them. They're sitting typically in a recovery room, a physical therapy place. Some people are purchasing them for home now as like their high priced item that's special that people are using. Do you have anything for when I can wear on the plane? Do you have anything that I can do when I'm like bringing a carry on and I still need my recovery? Because now our products are not just used a couple times a month. They are used daily, multiple times a day. What happens for the traveler now? I think that's kind of one of the first questions and scenarios that came up on this product. And that was based on feedback and asks, do you have anything for this? So this was really iterated from Gilad Jacobs, the founder of Normatech, and then Anthony Katz, our founder of, of Hyperice, who are really just 
always in, in their corner innovating how to make this better was how do we make this still as effective and powerful? That was important too. Still premium, but then the pull point is accessible. If it's a more travel-friendly version, you can't have a higher price point than our $800 Normatec boots. So that was so impressive to me that from ideation back in 2020 to now over two years later, and it's produced in market, the feedback has been phenomenal on it. And that has been for every single one of our products, whether we acquired them or we continue to innovate is because it's based on external feedback. So that to me is what is the special sauce that we have to always maintain those relationships and have that honest line of communication. And that I think is what will keep us moving forward. That makes a lot of sense because really you're continuing on that trajectory that you had er earlier outlined of you started with, you know, talking to athletes and now you're talking to a broader and broader audience and the Norma Tech Go really does speak to a traveler, maybe not somebody that's necessarily, you know, in the gym, you know, hitting the weights every day or playing a sport. And then with a core trainer, that's also like, I feel like I love that product because meditation eludes so many people, right? Like everybody knows it's like, everybody knows that it's good for you, but to actually execute it, it's like, how do you do it? Do you have to empty your mind? Being very quiet and still for somebody that's very type A personality can be very right. challenging. And, you know, even my 14 year old son uses the core. <laughs> so, I mean, it's really, yeah. <laughs> it's really something that, that speaks to so many people. So just Continuing on this trajectory, what is next for you and Hyperice? I know that there's probably some secrets that I got to ask. I know. Okay. So I'll lay it out. So we specialize in vibration technology. So that's vibration times self-myofascial release. Thermal with our Venom line. We have contrast therapy, which goes from hot to cold with the Hyperice X. Pneumatic compression, so the Normatec line. Percussion, Hypervolt. And then we have core, our mental fitness trainer. So that's six. I lost count. Literally, like we lose count even on these calls. So we're sticking with that. We want to stick to everything portable, certain hardware, certain thing that has a solid battery life and based on certain modalities that have been used for years. So percussion has been around for over 30 years now. Same thing with hot and cold compresses. We just figured out how to make it tech without using ice and water. Same thing with pneumatic compression. People just used to wrap a bandage around as hard as they could and then release it. We just figured out how to do something in real time. We're going to stick to those modalities (laughs) just to figure out how to make them more portable and accessible. So that allows us like, that gives us kind of our cornerstone to say, we have our modalities now. How do we just keep making it better and better? So very similar to Apple. They're not going to reinvent the phone, but you're going to make your phone faster, stronger. You maybe you're going to add a couple more tech specs to it. That's 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 kind of the the culture that we have here when it comes to innovation is just how to make it better. But yeah, we're not we're not coming out with any new modalities that I'm aware of. So <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's a really good strategy. You're going deeper instead of wider. So just start like being in this, you know, consumer technology that started off really focusing on athletics and then expanding from there. What's it like to be a woman in this type of business? 
has there, is it just like every day or have there been any challenges dealing with, cause it seems to me like this would be like predominantly like male dominated, but just curious to get your take on that. Very good question. So if you, if I were to rewind back to University of Texas days when I thought I wanted to be an athletic trainer. Candidly, I realized in my career it was going to be hard as a female athletic trainer because typically it's going to be the male dominated sports, basketball and football. And it's usually a male athletic trainer in there. So I already knew that just even based on my gender, that was going to be hard for what would be the top, the echelon of my career. Not to say that I was afraid of it, but I just was trying to be smart and strategic about it. So I thought more of the business route was was better for me. Then jumping into business, as a, as a woman and, and as women, we're known just psychologically to be more collaborators, relationship-driven, great communicators. I had to use that to my advantage when it was a predominantly males in the room and still to this day. But I think we have to use that skill set to our advantage. So like we were talking about earlier is that I'm using the skill sets of the relationship management and the communication and the collaboration because I'm working with so many partners outside of my company. However, the leadership skills that sometimes these male dominated areas, like a coach, like a male coach do, or like these male athletic trainers do, that was one of my mentors back in the day. There's some things to learn from it. So I'm really keen on, and I've talked about this with a lot of my friends that are female founders. One of my friends, she started a sexual wellness company and it's two female founders. And I go, how often are you talking to men? Because you do need that mix. I, I just think down psychologically, it is best for sharpening the best ideas and then executing on those as a company. Yeah, I mean, you've got to be able to deal with a variety of different people in sales. I think that's like one of the you know biggest skills is you have to be adaptable and learn how to deal with different personalities, different genders, every a little bit of everybody. And you need to find that commonality and that connection with that person to yep. ultimately, you know, come to some type of conclusion together. Right. So I just love that you're fo- so focused on relationships because to me that's really what the difference maker is in business. It's so easy to get caught up in the KPIs, the conversions, the quotas, and those things are important. Of course, those are business essentials, but at the end of the day, relationships are what drives those things. And sometimes people fail to realize that. The those KPIs and everything that shows the value of what I do as the company, what our company does to our investors, to to the business side of, of fitness, like we're talking about. But if it's not for the relationships, we're not going to be motivated. We're not going to be able to improve as a company because us alone sitting in a room, just, just completely with our blinders on and not getting any input, not having those conversations of here's the next two years of what I see, you know, Best Buy, like, here's what we envision. How, why are we, how are we going to make products? Like, what are we going to do? That's going to be innovative. We're just going to keep selling the same products and, then we get to every single person's household and we haven't excited that new consumer on what's the next thing that we're coming out with. That's even better. And like for the whole family, you know, like we knocked the socks off people when we brought in core because they were like, Oh, I was just using my hypervolt, you know, dad at home was using my hypervolt before going back in the house after he's done with his training. But now he's bringing in the hypervolt. He's having the kids use the core. Like we really want to be that household name, but that requires us to like, know what's going on throughout the globe. 
Yes. Yes. That's so true. And, and you know what, I also love the efficiency of using the Normatec compression therapy while using the core. Cause everybody that I see in like these recovery rooms and whatnot, they're on their phones. Cause you're kind of like, know. you know, you're there and everybody's looking at their phone and it's like, well, instead of like zoning out on social media and like losing brain cells, why don't you do something to improve your quality of life? So it's just a no brainer to me. I love it. It's great. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, this just as well as that the importance of being present. And if we can get someone into a relaxed state, sometimes you'll see a lot of student athletes. Like right now we're working on NYU is going to be one of the first schools to have core meditation stations plus Norma text for all student athletes. So instead of those student athletes coming in on their phone, scrolling Instagram, hopefully they're studying, but instead of them really being present and valuing that time of a recovery room with our products. So they're doing something and helping them. We can show with core that we can lower your stress rate. We can make you more resilient to stress is what we're actually trying to do. Plus you're also doing, you're maximizing your recovery for your legs. If you're doing for hips or arms at the same time, like it, it's insane what we were able to do when I was a student, like it, it, we just have to continue to educate those people back to like what we did back in the day at Hyperice back in 2016, but we have to do with this cool flair. So, you know, it's neat to see a lot of the younger athletes as using our tech as well. I love it. And I am so happy to see more people open their mind to practicing wellness in, in different ways. Star, if somebody wants to connect with you or they want to learn more about Hyperice, how can they do that? Yeah, obsessed with LinkedIn over as my as my platform. So I'm mean, gonna put in the links, but it's just gonna be star dash sage. I'm the I'm the first or it's kind of an easy name to remember. Thanks to my parents. So star sage on LinkedIn is the best way to find me. I love to chat with new people on there as well. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks, Vanessa. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If it brought you value, please subscribe, review, and share the Business Side of Fitness podcast. If you'd like to learn more about working with me, please click the link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.